All episodes of the Garage Build podcast are recorded live in the Law Fran studios. The law offices of Fran Hosh, Palm Harbor, Florida. Call 1-866-LAW-FRAN or go to lawfran.com. The law offices of Fran Hosh, serving the Tampa Bay biker community for over 20 years. Welcome back to the Garage Build Podcast. I am your host, Jason Hallman. Hey, this episode of the Garage Build Podcast was recorded live in the Law Friend Studios. Call 1-866-LAW-FRAN and make sure you're following at Fran Hosh Law Group. Hey, we're brought to you by SNS Cycles. Since 1958, SNS has led the V-Twin aftermarket from innovative ways to get air and fuel into your performance twin to big bore kits for all big twins, sportsters, and M8s to today's must-have exhaust components. Choose SNS Cycles for your next performance upgrade. Visit sscycle.com and follow SNS Cycles on social media at SS Cycle. We're also brought to you by the Arlen S Motorcycle Company. May save 10%, receive free shipping in the lower 48. When you use the code GarageBuilt10 on all orders at ArlenS.com, make sure you're following at Arlen S Motorcycles on social media. Team Dream Rides, located in Maryville, Tennessee, is minutes from the tail of the dragon. And Dream Rides specializes in performance engine upgrades, used bike sales, service, maintenance, and repair. Visit TeamDreamRides.com or follow at DreamRides Tennessee on Instagram to keep up with all the latest and greatest news. The High Seas Rally sets sail October 29th through November 5th on the High Seas for the only motorcycle rally on a cruise ship. One week, 3,500 bikers and four Caribbean ports. Follow at High Seas Rally on Instagram and use the code SPEEDMETAL when you book and you're going to save 100 bucks on your cabin price. We're throwing in the drink card this time too. Electric Lighting features top-shelf LEDs backed by 30 years of cutting-edge, industry-leading manufacturing and the best warranty in the market. Use the sales code SPEED2022 for free shipping in the lower 48 on all orders over 50 bucks at namscustomcycleproducts.com. And last but not least, yours truly is always laced up in the finest American-made workwear from 1620 Workwear. Guaranteed for life. Go to 1620usa.com and use the discount code SPEED2022 and you're going to save 20% at checkout. It's the biggest discount they offer across the board. No one gets that discount except for the Garageville podcast listeners. Make sure you're following at 1620USA. Hey, this episode, I talked to my good friend, Kurt Peterson, Little Evil Engineering, the original performance show in Sturgis. It's going to be August 9th at the Steel Pony Campground. Let's hear all about it right now. You're listening to the Garage Build Podcast with your host, Jason Holman. Good morning. How are you? Yeah. How nope. do you want to do this? Uh, we're already doing it. This is this is what we do. We, it's, it's real low key. <laughs> I think the best interviews sure. go away where people that listen to them still want to hear like maybe another you know another round of that. So. But yeah, so we're, we're, we're already, we're already headlong in, into it. And I know you are headlong into another fantastic build. This, uh, the infidel, right? You've, you've let some things leak out on social media about it. Tell me a little bit about the bike that you're building because it's not a conventional FXR in every way, but there are some definite, like some traditional FXR things there. So what I was, yeah. what I was saying is, is that the infidel is, uh, the, the new bike that you're building and, uh, you've let certain, certain things leak out on social media. Um, you know, some of the colors, some of the, some of the, the build and that, but it, it is a conventional FXR in some senses, but in a lot of ways, it's not tell us a little bit about that new build well it's a it's a 92 fxr chassis that i bought about 12 years ago as a project i mean obviously i've had other fxrs but thought about and wanted to do a build with it and you know i just retired from the shop not too long ago a little over a year ago and and shut the business down and finally got around to doing some some stuff for myself and so this winter, I was at Donnie Smith's shop, and Donnie and Rob and I were sitting around talking, and I thought about it for a second, and I said, you know, in the 30 years or so that I've known you and I've been in the industry and we've been friends, we've done anything together. You know, I've, I've never asked you to do anything, and I've got this project that I'm thinking about doing, and I kind of want to do it as, I don't want to say a legacy build, but 
because it's for myself and, and because now I have the time to do something for myself, I kind of wanted to get a bunch of my friends involved that, that, you know, I've known and appreciated their work over the years, but I've never really done much with. And so I know it's sacrilegious to cut up factory FXR chassis, but I just, I wanted to build a, uh, you know, kind of a chopper, but, you know, stick with the FXR uh, theme of it. But I also wanted to incorporate performance into it. So Donnie and Rob Roll, his head fabricator, who I've known since elementary school, we've been buddies that long, um, just decided that we would start on this thing and we'd take my vision and, and I'd use a little bit of, you know, their specialties and what they do. So, you know, Rob did the fabrication on the gas tank and, and, uh, and also helped me with, uh, chopping up the frame and we did a four inch backbone stretch, four inch down tube stretch. And then Donnie and I sat down and figured out the, the rake it needed to be. And, and Donnie got on his old bridge port and coped the neck. Right on. When, and we got it all put together. And then, um, we, we still have a really bad connection. We have a really bad connection, but, um, what I wanted to see, you made a comment about, uh, it being sacrilegious to cut up an FXR and, and there is in, in the FXR community, there is, uh, a certain contention of people that believe that. And why do you, why do you think that is and just out of curiosity? And that's not a leading question. That's just kind of like, uh, you know, over the course of the history, I think only the soft tail has seen more iterations and, and more customs than the FXR. I mean, for the FXR, for the longest period of time, that was the custom bike. Right, right. Well, you know, I mean, the, the purists that are out there, I have, I have a lot of those feelings toward specific bikes. You know, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cut up a, a Liberty Edition FXR or a, a factory original FXRT or FXRD. Um, I think those bikes should stay as they came from the factory. You know, a few modifications, maybe some motor mods or things like that. But overall, I think those those types of things should, uh, those types of models should stay uh, the way they were produced by the factory. And and that's just because they don't make them anymore. And True. it's it's harder and harder to find a, an original fxr chassis and and so you know depending on the model i yeah you're right i i, I wouldn't touch it i i'm um, um, purist mindset right but um you know i, I bought this bike um i just decided that i was gonna as much as i love fxrs i was gonna build one to what i thought it should be and uh hopefully you know nobody's upset with the fact that we chopped up the frame but the the final outcome of it, I think, uh, when people see it in person, they'll, they'll understand the, the vision that I had for it, the direction I wanted to go with it, and and appreciate the the time and the and the effort it took to make from front to rear make sense. Yeah, you know, one of the things that you mentioned was working with a lot of your friends, and and that's something that um, we get to do a lot in this industry, uh, especially those of us that have a you know that kind of have a, a pretty strong circle of talent around us, you know, guys that paint. I think James painted your bike, did he not? And, you know, and then you mentioned Donnie and Rob and that. It, it's it's pretty amazing to have a group of people that everybody has like a really strong skill set, you know? Right. Well, and, and I learned that early on. I mean, even, even from uh, uh, my military days, um, leadership and teamwork, um, come from using the strengths of the people that are around you. Nobody is so well-rounded that they can do it all. You know, I mean, there's a few guys out there that might be able to pull it off, but you know, to, to do the fabricating and the welding and, and the motor building and the paint and the body work and the wiring and, you know, all, everything goes into building a complete ground up custom motorcycle. You, if you surround yourself with the right peoples, um, you know, James Patience is a great example of that. You know, he had an FXR that he wanted to build, and and uh, he's not a motor builder. So, 
I got his components and his motor, and I took care of, uh, you know, building a little e- little evil uh, uh, baby 80 for him, and, and uh, he took on my paint job. So it was kind of, it's kind of cool to trade some of those, those talents back and forth amongst each other so that each of us are getting the final, you know, perfect end result or what we, we hope for. Yeah, right, where you can sit down and, and craft kind of a plan on the front side of things and yep. utilize people's strengths and weaknesses, like you said. Um, and, and I want to talk a little bit about your military stuff, but there's there's a couple of the little things that I wanted to talk about the infidel, um, because, it, you know, you and I are both working towards a common goal here, getting getting to Sturgis. Uh, you're a little bit closer than I am. I still have to make a trip over to Texas to pick up Cody. Uh, but this bike, you'll have this bike, I'm sure, at at all the requisite uh-huh. shows. It'll be at the FXR show. It'll be at the hardcore show. Of course, it'll be at the little evil engineering show on Tuesday. And I'm, and I'm hoping it'll go to the paint show on Wednesday, uh, Parowitz paint show as well. Is that, is that your plan? Like your, your kind of your schedule? Yeah. It, it's, it's really tough because, um, there's so much going on every day and, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to try and hit as much as I can. Obviously it's the 10th annual FXR show on Sunday at the Buffalo chip. And, and we've got the meet the masters ride on Monday, which, helps raise money for the Sturgis Hall of Fame. And, and, uh, and then Tuesday is my show. Wednesday gets a little bit tough for me because Marilyn Stemp, who has been in the industry for a long, long time, has been bugging me to come out and do this, the Evil Entanglement show at the Buffalo Ship on Wednesday. And yet I've got my my uh, Hamster Brother Dave Perowitz doing the paint show, and I'd like to be at both. I'm not sure how I'm going to pull that off yet, but um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to hit everything I can with this thing, and and be able to show off the the talent and the hard work that went into it, not just for me, but everybody that was involved, everybody that helped. Rick Ward did my heads, and Terry Stewart um, cut a special set of pistons for me for this motor, and and, you know, just Kevin Baxter coming in from Georgia to help me get the, the transmission buttoned up and get a little farther along. And, and what's funny is, you know this, but when you're going through a build, there's certain times where you like to have guys around, you drink a couple beers and bullshit and kind of go through the process. And then there's other times where you just want to shut the door and the rest of the world out and just be with it and kind of a spiritual journey at you know, the highest level from a, um, a design perspective and just kind of getting your thoughts out there and things change along the way in a build and you kind of have to adjust and adapt. But um, I, I really wanted to do this as, as having my friends involved, not doing the work for me, but just being involved. And, and I had, you know, a couple of guys, a couple of hamster brothers over yesterday just sat around and drank beer in the shop while we tinkered and, hung some sheet metal and you know it's it's good to have those people around you and, and they're true friends you're not looking for anything they're just as excited about the project as you are yeah there's the element of safety too right and sometimes two two sets of eyes and two sets of hands are better than one because you don't want to miss something and you know i always tell people motorcycles don't stand up on their own right so no, no. you know it's it's important that you don't miss a Loctite or miss a this. It's the same thing goes. So if you're, you know, I always tell people, listen, if we're going to have a bullshit session, we can have a bullshit session. If we're going to work, we need to work. And you know, right. you know what I mean? And we've all been through that. And those are the times that I remember, you know, I remember putting together, you know, bikes where it was a crunch time. It was up late. It was, it was up early. It was, it was eating oh, pizza yeah. with greasy hands. I mean, those are the times that I feel like you remember when you don't remember, you don't remember when everything went well. And sometimes when things go really well, they actually went yep. wrong. You just don't find out until you're down the road. Correct. Correct. Well, and you know, the, the other part of that too is, um, you know, you, you think about your significant others and your family and, and you try to explain to them that, you know, I'm just, a, I'm a different person during this process. And it's not that I'm ignoring you. It's not that I don't want to be around you. It's not that I, I, I won't take the time to have a conversation with you, but I'm also kind of slipping back into the darkness a little bit just to get through this. And when it's done, we can all enjoy it together. And, you know, that's part of the beauty of being retired now is 
you know, I'm doing this for myself. It's one big push for Sturgis, and then I'm I'm gonna enjoy the motorcycle, you know, and I'm gonna enjoy that motorcycle with my girlfriend and just going out for rides and hanging out at the shows in Sturgis this you know the coming week. But right now, I just I don't have time to to juggle some of that stuff, and and I've been lucky that I, that the people that are closest to me understand that. Yeah, you've done it long enough. Like Karen knows, my wife, she knows, I, you know, I, I'll tell her. I'm like, hey, this is final assembly week. And she knows, like, I, I get leftovers. I Sometimes I'll come home and have dinner with the, with her. Back when we had, you know, when the kids lived at home, we would come home and have dinner as a family. And then I go right back to the shop to, to work until the wee hours. And, and I've never, she's never given me any shit over it. Because, you know, one, I, I make sure that I do what I'm supposed to do at home, too and take care of the things I need to, but it does become an extra amount of workload. And and I think that that's what makes these little, not little, but I mean, pretty significant uh, wins that we have in life is when we get what we need to get done at the shop done, but we also find a way to get what we need done at the house done. And you can, it it makes it a little more celebratory, right? You know, when you, when you, when you feel like you have everything taken care of and, you know, you and I both know that you're going to, you're going to thrash, 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 and then you're going to go right to Sturgis and then it's going to be run around here, run around there. And I'm not complaining one bit, but we do have a lot of people, you know, all of our, all of our friends, all of the people, all of our peers in, in this industry, it's not like when you work at a factory and your peers all work together with you all day at one place. And then you have, you know, your labor day, your annual labor day picnic picnic and your annual Memorial day picnic. It's, we don't get to see our peer group unless we go to Sturgis, unless we go to Daytona, unless we go to the Cape, unless we, you know what I mean? So it's a chance to to spend time with your friends too. Absolutely. It's for, for me, it's, this will be my 30th Sturgis in a row. I've gone every year since I've been out of the military and, you know, it's transitioned from purpose over time, you know, where at first it was for work vacation after the military, and then it went into a work process, and depending on the company I was working for, I was representing them out there, but, um, you know, it, it's also a family reunion, mm-hmm. you know, I get to I get to meet all my, my hamster family and, and my industry friends and, and guys I only see once a year see what they've done, see what they've been working on, you know, catch up a little bit. And then, you know, we all go home and we, we spend the rest of the year kind of encouraging each other for the next, the next thing, the next event, the next build. Yeah. And it's, it's fun too, because, and I want to talk about that a little bit uh, here in just a moment, but leading up to it, it's the extra phone numbers or the extra phone calls, the extra emails, the extra DMS, the extra little text messages like, Hey, you know, I'm working on this. Like, I, you know, you've texted me every day for the, I don't have anything special that I'm working on right now other than to get my ass to Sturgis. So I'd be, so I'd rather be sending some stuff to you too, but you're, I, this is the first time in a long time I'm not finishing a bike so that I can go to Sturgis. And, right. uh, you know, and so when those month when those years happen, there's like all this back and forth that leads up to it. So when we do get in the same room, it's really fun. And then there's the, you know, the whole ride home in the next couple of weeks, it's sharing pictures online and I, I you know yep. you and I both went yep. through um, a very similar situation around the same time we both lost our dads a few years ago and yep. you know we didn't get to do and I think you lost your dad around the same time of year I did I didn't get to go to Sturgis in 2018 and so it was like I got to watch you and everybody else post everything that happened during the week and that and it, believe it or not it helped me get through that week you know what I mean absolutely yeah yeah it did I mean uh when you're going through something like that, the grieving process and, and reality really hasn't hit yet. Um, to be able to have that little bit of a distraction and, you know, you see a picture and you remember, oh yeah, I was there last year and, and this is what we did or this is who I was hanging with. And, you know, for that brief moment, you get, you get kind of pulled back out of the tragedy. Right. And then, helps you kind of reset your mind and then you can go back to dealing with the grief again a little bit. Yeah. You need little breaks from that, you know, when you're going through something like that. And I was, I was, I I'm always glad that when I can't make it to something that there's somebody there that, uh, that I know that's, that's sharing it with me too, in one way, shape or form. Um, right. you mentioned, you mentioned the hamsters motorcycle. Uh, I don't know. Do we call it a club? Do we call it an organization? I mean, it's, 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 is it a t-shirt club with a motorcycle addiction or a motorcycle club with it with, you know what I mean? But you know, it, it's a, it's a tough thing, but you know, um, 
when you're in that room, you mentioned being in that room and when you're in that room with 300, you know, three or 400 people and they're raising a bunch of money for charity and they're, that mean that's a very meaningful room to be in. And it's, it's really, it's a very close to a, dare I say a religious experience. When you see, we walk into a room and with the goal being to have dinner with each other, see people you haven't seen, see people that you're probably not going to see for another year. And then, you know, there's, it was, I didn't know Ben, uh, but then you have, yep. you have guys that you're glad that you got to see him last year because that's never going to happen again. And I know you were friends cool. with him. And so it's a meaningful room. And then you walk out of there knowing that over half a million dollars was raised and it's 100% of that is going into a, you know, several different nonprofit organizations that are really going to be lifted up by that. That's anybody that doesn't understand what that organization truly is about, man, I would, I would encourage you to, the next time you see that group of people talk to them and, and hear about it because you guys have built a, you guys have built a hospital. You're helping with the Sturgis hall of fame. Uh, you tripled the meals on uh, meals on wheels uh, in, in, I believe it was in rapid or Deadwood or rapid city. One of the two Deadwood. Yeah. Deadwood you tripled their annual budget last year. Like in, in and we right. just didn't, we did it in fun. We had a good time in that room. It, it was, it was, it was a riot. It was the first time I had been at the dinner and uh, it's the first of, of hopefully many, many, many more. But it was it was very humbling and very it was awesome. It was very cool. Well, I, I, you know, a lot of people look at it. You know, we're, the hamsters are viewed as just a bunch of rich guys with custom motorcycles. That you know, and it's not that way. It's it's truly a, an organization of people that just love and have a passion for custom motorcycles and that's it's kind of where it started from but it's become family it's become an organization and you know the stuff we've done on monday nights for our charity auction during our dinner all that money goes to life school and i don't think most people understand that you have hamsters from south africa and germany and france and and the East Coast and the West Coast and from down south. And we all show up that one time a year and it's to give money back to LifeScape, which is for children in need in the state of South Dakota. So right. if we're all going to come there and we're going to have a party and we're going to get together, um, we should be giving back to our hosts, you know, and and that's why it's so important for us to, to, to on Monday night, it's about LifeScape. And then and Monday morning when we're all out doing the Meet the Masters ride and we end up in Deadwood, we're raising money for the Hall of Fame that day. And, you know, even, I don't think people understand either. Joe Milky, who established the FXR show, the money he raises for that, he writes a check and donates it to LifeScape. Right to do the same thing. You know, I mean, it's, it's about giving back and it's about helping those that are, are, uh, less fortunate or have come across, uh, hard time. Yeah. Where, where something outside of their control, especially, you know, when you start talking about sick children and you know, that's where, that's what LifeScape's focus is on is children that, that, you know, that need a hand, a hand up and uh, their families they're right. you know it's 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 pretty i just wanted to draw you know I, you, you're one of the guys that's, that's already there and and kind of mentoring you know one of the guys that's mentoring me through that process and and you know i, I want people to understand that it's not just some group of of guys that that are you know wearing the same yeah, color it's, shirt it's a, there's actual a, a real purpose to it and you know it's organizations like the hamsters that that have helped galvanize the city of Sturgis into keeping the rally alive and investing in the rally and making sure there's enough, dare I say, police officers and trash cans and waste removal and porta potties. And, you know, it, it needs to be a safe place too. And, and there was a point in time where the city of Sturgis didn't feel that way, you know, in the early eighties. And so it's through organizations yep. like this that have helped kind of say, Hey, look, you know, we're like you, you said it best. You said, you know, give our hosts, give back to our hosts. And that's, that's awesome. And that's a, that's a fantastic way to look at it because we are, you know, 
their home is opened up to us. I mean, look at how small that place truly is. When you get there the week before and there's no one there yet, and you know, there's like 6,000 people that live there. There's, you know, one or two restaurants, there's one or two grocery stores. I mean, you gotta go to Rapid City or um, Spearfish to, to get, you know, the big, big, any big box store stuff. So it's, it's really kind of awesome. And, and it's such a, you know, dude, every year I get to this point where I'm getting ready to get in the truck and drive. And that's what I'm going to be doing tomorrow all day. So I'll, I'll probably yeah, yeah. be bugging everybody it is that, you know, I try to talk myself out of going every year. Like you can't afford it. You know, it's expensive. I have to drive pretty far going from from Florida. And then I have to go pick up Ke uh, Cody's ass over in Texas so that I have somebody to help right, share the driving. Right. right. But, um, when right. I get there, I'm, I always have a wonderful time and I, and I'm always so glad that on the way home that I did it, you know, and I've gone there with no place to stay. I've gone there with no way to get home and it's, it's always worked out. And, and so for that, I'm, I'm very thankful. Right. Right. Well, and you know, you ask yourself every year, and I, I'm seeing it on social media. And Tom Edison is at crunch time with an FXR he's building, and and guys are sending you know sneak pics of the projects they're working on. And every year we ask ourselves that when it's three o'clock in the morning, we're still out in the shop. Family's been asleep for four or five hours already. You know, why why am I doing this? Right. Well, that feeling you get when you roll into town and you check into the hotel and you get your stuff unloaded. You take a quick hot shower after the trip and it's like you're re-energized and, and ready to go. And and then you remember exactly why you did this, you know? How cool is it when you're walking up that hill and you see somebody 200 feet away that you guys, you, you see that you see each other and then you see this giant grin. It just... It, it changes, you know what I mean? And it changes, it, yep. it, you forget about, you forget about the bugs in your teeth. You forget about the rain that you went through in, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, every trial and tribulation you went through up to getting to that point is minuscule at that point. You don't, you don't, you don't see somebody that you haven't seen in a year and think, uh, yeah, you know, I struggled with this transmission assembly or I, I struggled to get this electrical done that's all done it's over with and you know i mean i i can tell you that there's been guys that have they're 99 done with the project they're not going to miss sturgis and they're not going to not bring that project to sturgis with them and you show up on a friday morning and the trailer opens up and it's like hey guys you know i got a I got to do a push rod adjustment yet. And next thing you know, you get two or three guys in there rolling up their sleeves saying, okay, let's get it done so we can get it off the trail. It's, it's that kind of camaraderie that no one's going to let you down. Everybody's going to make sure that you hit your goal and, and uh, appreciate all the work it took for you to get that far, yeah. knowing that they could trust you or yeah. you could trust them to help you. I don't know another industry that, that, has, um, so much of, of that, you know, I was, uh, it, this goes back four or five years and I was, I was down in Miami and I was sitting with, uh, I don't know if you know Warren Lane or not, but I'm sitting with Warren out on his back, back patio. And, you know, there was a point in time where, you know, he was, he was really getting into the vintage aircrafts, the, the old military planes, and he was figuring out how to, you know, how to rebuild sure. these Pratt and Whitney's and he's just got an engineer's brain anyways. And, uh, he's like, you know, and just out of nowhere, we're sitting there just having a Corona. And he says, you know, I, I would quit the motorcycle business. I would have quit it a hundred times over, you know, dumb shit. He goes, but I don't get this. And I'm like, well, what do you, what are you talking about? He goes this, you know, I, the, the aircraft community doesn't do what we're doing right now. They don't sit out on the back patio, not even talking, just drinking a Corona you know what I mean? He goes, I don't get this. Right. And it was something that he, it was, it really, it stayed with me. It stayed with me. And I think about it quite often because not only because he's such a good friend and a good teacher, but it, we have something that other, an intangible that other people don't have in a lot of other industries. I mean, you know, if two brain surgeons are sitting there, uh, you know, is one just going to jump in on it? No, uh, that's not going to happen. Right. There's right. all these, there's all these barriers to entry. And, you know, like you said, like, okay, I'm, I'm 99 and a half percent there, but the other half, half percent, I need help. So I'm just going to go where well, I know there's a lot of help and there's a lot of talent inside the circle of friends that, that you have and that, that 
I have, and we know people yep. that can do pretty much anything and, and have, and they're willing to help. And that's the part that's just, you know, that's a, that's a really cool thing. You know, when the ego goes away and everybody's helping each other out, cause that's what I see when I'm, when I'm around those guys. Right. Right. Well, and, and to be honest, I mean, I think, I think a lot of people look at the hamsters from the outside as, like I said before, that, that rich drinking club or whatever it is. And we all just have these really expensive motorcycles, but they don't understand the talent, you know, whether it's in the motorcycle electric industry with, with, uh, Jeff Zelensky or paint with James Patience. But the coolest thing about it is while the people on the outside look at it as, you know, kind of a rich boys club, the guys that know, understand that there is no egos. You can stand and have a cocktail with Donnie Smith or Dave Perowitz or Rick Perilous and we're just friends. Yeah. You know, I, I I'm lucky enough to have some of the coolest friends on the planet. Not that other people's friends aren't cool either, but No, I know what you mean. You know, to to be able to to stand there and bullshit or pick the phone up and call somebody and say, you know, this is your wheelhouse, I need a little help. And they take your call and they help you through it. Um, it's amazing. And it's there, there are no egos. I mean, people may think there are, but amongst us, there's not. And you look back to what I consider to be the three kings of customs, being Dave Perowitz, Donnie Smith, and Ness. Yeah. I have never seen a more humble group of leaders. You know, I mean... They'll mentor you, and they'll they'll take your call, and they'll they'll tell you you're 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 headed in the right direction, or they appreciate your work, or hey Kurt, you might want to reconsider this. Can I give you some advice? That's what it's supposed to be about, you know. And, and, and I think it is story. And I've got a great story about about Arlen, and I can share that with you real quick. It's, it's yeah. kind of cool, but we were in uh, San Mateo. I forget, it must have been mid to late 2000s. And we were setting up for the Earl and Ness show. So it was myself and Donnie Smith and Grady Pfeiffer and Arlen and a couple other guys kind of standing around in the middle of this while everybody's loading bikes in and vendors are setting up. And we're standing at this cocktail table and we're all having a drink. And, and this younger kid, probably 23, 24 years old, kept walking back and forth on the aisle looking at our table and he had no idea who anybody was other than he, he must have recognized that it was Arlen. Right. So finally, I mean, Arlen couldn't see him because he was walking behind him. Finally, I just waved him over and he comes over and he had, he had no interest in talking to anybody else at the table. He just said, Mr. Ness, I'd like to introduce myself. Um, whether you know it or not, you've done a big influence on me. I, I did my first custom sportster and I entered it in your show today. And without hesitation, without, you know, trying to figure out where we were going to pause our conversation, Arlen, he just turns around, looks at the kid, smiles, and says, well, show it to me. And they walked off, and Arlen probably spent 10 or 15 minutes walking around the kid's bike and he had used some nest parts and he did this and he did that. And Arlen took a true interest in what this young man had done. And I think, you know, I mean, he understood the importance of his role in this kid's life without even knowing it. Well, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Arlen comes back and, you know, the kid was grateful when he told him nice job and good luck in the show. And Arlen comes back to the table and kind of tells us what his interaction was with this young guy. And then we, we continued on with our conversation. And about 10 minutes later, the kid's walking back and forth in the aisle again, looking over at the table and like he didn't want to interrupt again. And he had gotten some Arlen sign that was pretty cool. And, and, Grady kind of looked at him and waved him back over like he must have another question. And the kid comes over and now Donnie's got his belt leaning against the, con- the, the cocktail table with his Bacardi diet and the straws folded over. And, and uh, he's kind of looking down at the table waiting for this kid to have whatever it is he needed to have from a conversation perspective with Ireland again. And he said, you know, the kid says, uh, you know, 
I was just wondering what you guys thought about this whole OCC thing, because I watched that on TV all the time. We all kind of smirked a little bit, you know, knowing where it was leading. And Donnie, without looking up, without hesitation, just said, you know something, kid? It's just like the WWE, the custom motorcycle industry. It's entertainment. It ain't real. And we were busted out laughing. And the kid understood exactly what Donnie was talking about. It's something to watch on TV. And I'm not bagging on OCC. No, I get it. Television program. Because that was, that was also an important part of getting young people or, you know, anybody from an age group that watched the show to become interested in our art form and what we do. Absolutely. And custom motorcycles as a whole. But, you know... A TV show, you don't build a custom motorcycle in 40 minutes with right. one big, you know, one big orange hammer. You know, you just don't do it. Right. Um, and and that always stuck with me. And I've watched Donnie do that. And and I'm I'm lucky enough that because I'm in the Midwest and my shop is closed, I've moved that back down closer to the cities. I get to interact with these guys on a daily basis, and I'm in Donnie's shop a couple times a week, and we share those stories. But you know. It can be anybody, and we can be out on a Saturday riding together as a group, just having fun as friends, and we get somewhere, and inevitably somebody will walk up, they recognize Donnie, and, hey, can I talk to you for a minute, or, hey, I went to your show this year, it was great, you know. Donnie always takes the time, so does Dave, Arlen did too, and that's part of that leadership from, from our organization to not be some egotistical, stuck up, I'm a hamster, don't talk to me type thing. It's it's truly sharing the art form. Yeah. If we don't, if we don't mentor and we don't teach the younger kids that are hungry for it, it goes away die at some point. Yeah. Right? Sure. And we're seeing we're seeing an attrition happen. We're seeing, you know, I I see I do see young people getting involved in, in certain segments of our business. I don't see them getting involved yet at large scale. Uh on replacing uh, shop owners that are cycling out, you know, people like yourself, people like, yep. you know, I'm, it's in, inevitable that I'll be behind you at some point too. But, yep. you know, yep. it's important that we mentor people and keep people around us that want to keep things moving, keep the lights on and keep the wheels going down the road. I agree. I agree. And and Justin Neubauer is a great example of that. Um, Justin's a, a younger kid motorcycle enthusiast, does all his own mechanical work. I hired him as a part-time mechanic for me uh, a couple years ago. And he's like a sponge. And to the point where even after I retired, even after I shut the shop down and I moved down here, he's been deeply involved in not only this project, but some other stuff. He, he, you know, just on a whim, he'd be like, are you going to be around on Saturday? Yeah. Are you working on anything? Yeah. Can I come down? And he'll make a two-hour drive from Wadena down to me just to hang out and help me out with stuff and learn new things. And you know, I've never I've never put a cam in evil or you know why do why do these things work in conjunction with each other the way that they do? And so for me, every opportunity I have, if he's willing, I'm going to spend that time with him. Yeah, and it's good to mentor people like that too, and it's good to listen to the questions that they that they ask because they're going to phrase. Uh, I I learn, you know, I, I always judge the level of uh, comprehension based off of the uh, the context of the question, right? So I know if somebody asks me a right. high level question, or if they're asking me a question that they want me to agree with them on. So you know, it's right. it's good. You have to be kind of a teacher too. You do have to you do have to orbit in in some other spaces, and and it's important. And it's good that you're doing that. Yeah. I appreciate that you're doing that. We're doing that here as much as we can. You know, yeah. Uh, it's it's good to have have somebody that wants wants to learn. Um, you mentioned that you have you've been out of the service now for for thirty years. What branch of the military were you in? Oh, uh, the army. The army. Yeah. And how many yep. years were you in for? Eight and a half eight and a half. So you put in some time. So you, and you were yeah. in a, you were in a difficult time too. It was kind of that Reagan era and the, the, the bushes yep. and all that stuff. So and end of the cold war and yep. Yeah. Uh, the storm kicked off and that was the beginning of this whole middle East catastrophe over the years. But yeah. 
Well, the reason why I bring that up is because uh, you do, I, I noticed, you know, following you on social media and, and being friends with you now for a couple of years, that you do an incredible amount for veterans and that you are willing to to really go the extra mile for, for a good cause. And that's, you know, that goes back to your hamster thing, but this is independent of that, that you're, you're quite active and quite engaged and quite, um, you know, tell us a little bit about some of the initiatives that, that you've been involved in over the years and, and, and why those are passion projects for you. Well, you know, when we had our shop, um, you know, like every other little small town in Minnesota, they always have a week of celebration for their town and, and uh, Herman has a week-long festival. And it come to me after I opened the shop and, and said, would you want to do like a charity ride during the week of Turtle Fest? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. But if I'm going to do it and I'm going to raise money for a motorcycle ride during Turtle Fest, it has to be something, you know, to support veterans. Um, and I, I partnered up with and met a gentleman by the name of Dale Johansson who runs an organization, a nonprofit organization called Project New Hope. And what Project New Hope does is, you know, as, as big as a, a wounded warrior project um, organization is, things like that, Project New Hope focuses on the veterans from the community and the surrounding areas. So everything stays local. And they want to know that, you know, somebody's son from this small town is just coming back from his third deployment to Afghanistan or something like that. And, right. You know, we want to welcome that, that, that individual back into the community and thank him for his service. Well, you know, there's, there's things that young people see when they're in the military that they have a hard time shaking. And so what Project New Hope does is they provide weekend-long retreats to a, a resort or a lake uh, uh, destination with cabins or uh, you know a hotel or whatever, and it's a it's a relaxed environment. And what we do is we invite a local veteran and their family to come to the retreat for the weekend, and it's to help that veteran reacclimate to civilian life. So we can teach them how to write a resume. We can teach them how to do a career search or a job search or see if there's something within the, the VA system that might fit him. We have people from the VA that show up to help him register for his benefits and make sure he gets a VA card and can, can be seen through the VA facilities as far as medical treatment goes. But it goes farther than that in that there's individual counseling for PTSD. There's couples counseling because the significant other also has to deal with that. Sure. Uh, um, and there's, there's, there's family counseling. So you get the kids involved. There's kids activities. We want to make sure that they understand that they're not alone in this, in this process of coming back out of, you know, some kind of unfriendly and, and uh, not so nice, memories and try to try to help them cope with that as well as the family what to recognize and and you know battle against that that 22 veteran suicide today i wanted to bring that up i i wanted to bring that up because that's a statistic that that should shake everybody regardless of your political affiliation or your sexual orientation or any of that the 22 on average 22 veterans and, you know, conscription's been gone since you and I were kids. So these are volunteers. These are people that have asked to be put into this situation. And to, to, to marginalize that and not pay homage to that is such a, it, it, it's something that should shake everybody to the core. And I didn't want to interrupt you, but I wanted to make sure that we, we talked about that. Because I think that is something that is very lost on a considerable number of people. And it's something that we should, it's a conversation that more people should have. It should be, it should be more it should be more kitchen table talk about the men and women that serve our nation uh, in that capacity. I agree. And, and what's even sadder about that is the 22 or the number 22 is, has been kind of symbolic of PTSD and the 22 a day. The reality of it is 
that's 22 a day for all but 13 states. So there's 13 states in our union that don't even track veteran suicide. So that 22 is actually a higher number per day. But there's 13 states that don't even feel it's significant enough to monitor that. And that's sad. That's a travesty. So it is. It's, it's horrible. And, and it, it's that mindset. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm grateful for, you know, organizations like the Wounded Warrior Project that will they have the budget and they, they raise the money they need to to get uh, Trace Atkins or, uh, you know, a celebrity or, um, you know, a, a musical entertainer to be a spokesperson for them. And they spend the money on television advertisements and the radio segments and things like that. But the reality of it is, you know, in your own little small town community, unless you have someone that is currently serving or has served, people forget all about that. You know, if they've never volunteered or they've never been in the service, I, I, I think, you know, you hear this term all the time from someone, oh, you're a veteran. I am. Well, thank you for your service. And then the story or the conversation goes with, you know, I always wanted to join or I couldn't join or, you know, it doesn't mean you can't serve. So get out in your community and go to your local DFW and see how you can help on a meat raffle night or a bingo night. Or, you know, you see a guy in Walmart with a, a veteran's cap on, walk up and thank him for his service. And <clears throat> by doing things like that, not just donating money, but, put, but putting some time into your community on behalf of a veteran, to me, it's just as important. So thank you for your service. You know, you didn't have to wear the uniform to serve your country by taking care of your veterans. No. And, and I feel like, um, there's been a certain percentage of the population that have been on an unholy crusade to, uh, in this country over the last couple of decades to marginalize service and first responders. And I think there's also an even greater number of people that, that, want to see those people being taken care of. But at the same time, you know, regardless of how you feel about why we're doing what we're doing on the global stage, um, thanking a veteran does not mean that you are co-signing uh, a politician's right. poor behavior. You are literally, all you're doing is, it's no different than, you know, the same people that would, that would think nothing of stopping and giving uh, a homeless person money would look down their nose at, at a veteran that's struggling uh, because they're not poor, because they're not wearing a poor man's clothing, because they're not, they don't have, nap, you know, their hair's not matted to the side of their head. They don't understand that there's a there's a, an emotional and physical struggle that's occurring, you know, within that individual. And, that you know, a little bit of being nice goes a long way long way don't you agree it sure does and that that gesture or that smile or that tip of the cap could be the one thing that that guy needed for the day to push through to tomorrow you know yes. it's uh I, I i try to explain it like this when people ask it's it's okay you're you're done with the military and you're out now um you didn't get shot you didn't get blown up by an IED. you didn't you didn't witness something horrific, so you should just go about your business and do your job, and that's it. Well, you can take the soldier from the battlefield, but you'll never take the battlefield from the soldier. And they'll carry that the rest of their lives. And most of the time, they do it in silence. Yeah. The reason they do it in silence is because they're trained um, to act first, emotion second, and the protector part of them says, I don't want the people I love the most to think about what I've been through, feel sorry for me. I, I don't want sympathy. I don't want empathy. I don't want you to fix it. And I, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to make you understand what I went through. So why would I put that in your head? No, exactly. So you know, they, they carry that around with them a lot and they feel like they're alone until another veteran will reach out to them and invite them to a Project New Hope retreat or, you know, hey, I do this PTSD group, you know, Gulf War PTSD group once a month and 
you know, we kind of went through some of the same stuff. Why don't you come with me for a week and, and see if you like it? And, and there guys, there's uh, there's guys like Joe Staz from Throttle Therapy that are now doing yeah. doing some yeah. good outreach work on that. And you know, guys, what I wanted to say a few minutes ago was that you know, men that were my dad and your dad's age that came home from military. I don't know if your dad served, yep. mine did. You did. We're taught. Yep. You just bury that shit. And that's where I dare I say that's where, you know, sometimes abuse, uh, sometimes self abuse, sometimes, you know, I mean, there were lots of there were lots of, you know, we like to we we like to refer to the, you know, the greatest generation, you know, the, the World War Two guys and the World War One guys and stuff that came home and helped build this nation into into a modern place. And uh, we think that all was well. And then you you see that the horrors of war that they that they went through and there's a lot of men in this country especially back then and women that that just buried that and and i think we're better than that now we know more right we've learned more and uh we need to we need to make sure that that we make ourselves available for that and this is a good segue into uh the little evil show in in sturgis that's going to be at the steel pony and it's going to be on i believe it's tuesday the 11th right and so Talk to me a little bit about the genesis of this show because yes, this sir. is this is coined the original performance show in Sturgis, right? So this is a, a brainchild that you had. This is the, what year is this? Yep. Fifth or sixth? Excuse me. What year? What year are we working on? Is this year five or year six? This, this is the sixth year. Yes. Sixth so we got five under our belt. How did you? How did you come up with this? I mean, obviously, you know, there's only so many venues. There's only so many days. But you kind of, you kind of birthed this idea of having a show that was just fa- uh, focused on performance. And it was really kind of, if you think about six years ago, Instagram was out, but it isn't what it is. It, it wasn't what it is today. Facebook was out. It wasn't what it was today. How do you? How do you? Did you find out there was a community all around this? Well, you know, I mean, I've always kind of been uh, function before form, and you know, there there's so many shows out there and so many genres that get to be celebrated while we're in surges. And and Carrie from Iron Horse and, and Steel Pony had, you know, asked me if you know would you want to put a show on? And I said, well, you know, not really because. There's a hundred shows out there already. I just, I don't know how I could put a show together that would be different from everybody else and have the draw that you're looking for and, and celebrate something that's kind of not mentioned or not noticed. And then I thought about it and it's like all the, all the horsepower junkies that, that I'm used to seeing or hanging around from S&S or Baker or gyms or wherever, they're all hanging out at the drag strip, but their customers don't really have any place to go to kind of brag about performance upgrades. And when, when, when I got to thinking about it, it's, it's like, Oh, okay. I deal with my customers on, um, a performance level and, and that's brakes and suspension and, and engine performance and clutch performance and things like that. And we can, we can make it look good at the same time, but, when my customers would leave my shop, I want them to go out the following weekend and put 300 miles on their bike, ride into the garage at the end of the day. And when they put the kickstand down and get off the motorcycle, I want them to look back at it and say, okay, I, I can't wait to ride this thing again tomorrow. Right. Instead of 300 miles on a Saturday, put the kickstand down, not look back at the bike and say, fuck, that was a rough day. <laughs> So, you know, I, I'm beat up, I'm tired, I think I'm just going to ice myself down, drink a couple of beers and sit in my lounger on Sunday and not worry about motorcycles again until next Saturday. Right. So we've always focused on the pleasure or or the comfort or the performance of a customer's riding experience over you know, what new chrome part can I put on today? And is there any, you know, I, I, did we do, you know, cosmetic stuff? Yeah, we, we built a lot of beautiful, we did a lot of exhaust swaps and things like that, but we always asked our customers, you know what, I'm not building the bike for me. So 
I don't want to just give you a, a, a cut and paste list how you ride. I don't know what, you, what you're going to use the motorcycle for. And, you know, you read something in a forum or on a social media page that said you need to have 150 horsepower. Right. Okay. No, you don't. No. Because you don't ride like that. So I don't, I, I'd rather take half your motor budget and put it towards suspension so you're comfortable for the day or better tires and, and it, all that kind of stuff. So to get back to your question, it's like, okay, yeah, I, I think I can do this. I, I'll talk to Jesse at Legend and, and John from Purpose Built and Frankie Goodall and you know, you're, those guys are all kind of in the same deal. And it's like, yeah, it makes sense to do a performance show. Let's see what upgrades their people are doing to make the riding experience better. There's already a Perowitz paint show. I don't need to do that. There's already old school shop shows. I don't need to do that. There, there's already bagger shows and things like that. And um, So we decided to do it on performance. And then obviously it was the beginning of the focus of, of the performance media that were focused on, you know, hot rod diners and hot rod FXRs. And it's like, all right, let's try and do this to, to make it something that those guys would want to attend, not just to show off their own stuff, but to get ideas on what somebody else has done and talk with the person that built that bike um, to enhance well, and the performance designation too. Yeah, well, the performance designation too doesn't disclude anybody. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm no. not complaining. Like the FXR has become the FXR show is is everybody knows it's it's the FXR Dynamixer, right? I mean, to some degree, that's that's kind of yep. what what that is. Yep. But at the same time, you have you know the the performance show. There's there's lots of different uh, there's lots of different things going on in the performance community that are that show up at your show and, and lots of different definitions of what performance is. And, you know, if the worst thing that happens out of it is a disagreement and a drag race, then I'm all for it. <laughs> right. 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 Let's just drop the hanky on the street and see who gets there first. But yeah. You're, you're, you're right. I think it's, it's different models and what people are doing. How do you make that soft tail ride better or, how do you get more power out of a twin cam B motor over an A motor? And so there is a, a spot for the little hot rod sportsters to the Dynas and the FXRs, but also soft tails and, and baggers. And industry overall has embraced performance because, you know, I, I think that's what's been needed all along is not just another you know, fat tire production chopper, um, which is a craze and a bunch of guys are going to buy bikes. They know nothing about and they ride like shit. And, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, tell us how you really feel, Kurt. It's like, oh, <laughs> I was, yeah, was going like, to ask you, so what are your feelings on choppers? But I don't have to. <laughs> I know exactly what you're thinking. Well, I love choppers. I, you know, no, I, I, know. I, I love all the genres, but it's, it's, it's like, you know, for as long as I've been in the industry, the reason I brought that up was because you'll you'll see a trend and you look at it like, oh, okay, that's cool, and it's it's catching on, and all of a sudden there's three or four major manufacturers of bikes like that. I wonder how long it's going to last, and then it kind of dies off. Not that it's gone away, not that it's completely done. It's still that particular genre. But the major emphasis is off of it. And yeah. it was kind of the same way with big wheel baggers. And, and big wheel baggers are still big and, and a big part of the segment from an attention perspective. From, uh, you know, in coverage on. But, man, when, when people started putting real suspension on, on baggers and throwing turbochargers on them. And, and they racing them in the BRL? And, Correct. It was like, all right, now we're cooking with gas. Yeah, the so, best thing that I heard about the BRL is I was talking with Roland Sands, and he told me he's like, it was the stupidest thing I'd ever heard of. And he goes, and then and then I and then I went to the track, and I was like, this thing's this is brilliant. We can, you know, yeah, and it just goes yeah. to show, like, 
yeah, I, I use the analogy you know, when people were saying, like, well, it's stupid to do that to a bagger. I'm like, okay, I, I'll, I'll, I'll hear what you had to say, but hear what I have to say. You know, I'm a gearhead through and through. I, you know, I, I love old muscle cars. And a 1970 Chevelle, you could buy a 70 Chevelle with 450 horsepower that would barely turn, barely stop. You know what I mean? But if you yep. if you yep. set it up for pro touring, you can get a Chevelle right. to handle pretty damn well with a set of bare brakes and, uh, you know, yeah. do all the different suspension, Coney shocks, the whole deal. My point is, is that, you know, I, I love John's, uh, John Evil's purpose-built name because that is, there's something in that. You know, these bikes are built with a specific plan in mind and all bikes are built with a specific plan in mind. Even, dude, even the, 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 the store-bought choppers, here's what never went away. Real choppers never went away. The same people who liked real choppers when you could go buy a store-bought chopper still yep. liked real choppers when you couldn't buy a store-bought chopper anymore and still like them and ride them and build them today. And that's what's that's beautiful about this industry. And one of the things that I love, and plus, I don't know if you've thought about it this or not, but they make fucking amazing donor bikes. If you have an FXR that you want to build, Go buy yourself a Texas Iron Horse that has either a 111 or a 117, which is just a big bore 111. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, yeah. And they're polished. Take the six-speed out, uh, you know, sell the rest of the parts in the title, and put that motor in because you can get them for a song and a dance. And some of those bikes had, you know, PM brakes. So, you, you know, you can put the right. PM brakes on your right. FXR with some brackets. But, I mean, they're great donor bikes. And, you know, I, I, I always agree. say that those dudes – there was a there was an arc if you look at it in the early 2000s where dudes went to dudes with soft tails went to daytona saw big dogs and texas iron horses bought those traded in their soft tails bought those then they went back to bike week then they had bike week girlfriends some of them got those yeah. bike week girlfriends knocked up and so they traded those american iron horses in on minivans <laughs> right 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 exactly so i want to correct go ahead it's 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 just a it's a cycle that keeps happening. You know, you, you come up with something cool, and the, the the biker community or the motorcycle enthusiasts they 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 latch onto it and they follow it. And it could be a three year stint or a ten year stint or a hundred year stint. You yep. know, it doesn't matter. But when people get tired of it, they don't just give up and walk away. It's on to the next thing. You know, and that's what's exciting about it is the, the person that buys their very first heritage soft tail brand new from a Harley dealer and they're excited and they're, and, you know, they're passionate about it. And then they get out and they're within the community and they see what other people have done and they listen to the guy on a Dynaglide that says, you know, I just, I just happen to like rubber mounts because they handle so much better and they're lighter and the horsepower to weight ratio is better and, Next thing you know, the guy's trading his heritage in a couple of years, looking for something different. Right. And keeping that passion alive is is what's important about it. And I, I think, Chris, once you're a biker, you never give it up. You yeah. Don't. Yeah, and and I'm and I'm careful not to uh, I'm careful not to uh, to to put myself in any one specific category. You know, I have right. I have always really liked fast things, and I was never really, to be honest with you, I'm not like a, a super. I'm not like into I'm never going to race. I'm not into, into uh, around a track or anything. I'm, I love drag racing. So anything that I do, right. I want, I want it to be fast from here to there. And that that's really, that's kind of my kink. And so everything that I do is kind of in, in that space. And, you know, and I noticed that you have, you have an amazing um, ability to build something like you said it earlier in the interview said you're more of a function over form guy your bike still look good, but you can definitely tell that everything that's there is there for a reason. It has to do a right. job. And, right. and if it's not going to do a job, it's not going to be on the bike and you keep it sure. very, very simple. So, well, and that kind of brings it back to the infidel, you know, um, I've been made fun of over the years because I've always ridden black bikes. <laughs> you know, you, you never put color on it. You never, you know, it's, you're right. Because one, Black is the hardest color to hide imperfection. So yep. the bodywork has to be perfect. The fit and form of the motorcycle has to be perfect. 
or black is going to is going to show all the flaws. So I'm okay with black. It's also my favorite color until they come out with something darker. Darker. I was just going to say that you beat me to right. it. That's great. Right. But you know, James Patience and I have been friends for a long time, and and when he got this FXR, it's like, okay, I'll build your motor for me. Send me your stuff, and and uh, he's trying to talk me into doing this paint and. And I'm like, you know, dude, I'm just not a, I'm not a metal flake guy. I'm not a bass boat guy. Um, I want people to walk up to a black bike and look at, you know, what's that little breather between the, the motor and the transmission and, and why is this set up the way it is? And all, I, I see what you did there. Um, and most of the beauty from my perspective, you can't see because it's on the inside of the engine or it's on the inside of the transmission or you know, I know it's there and I can explain it to you, but you're not going to see it unless you were there when I put it together. Right. Um, so James is, you know, he pushed and he pushed and it, it became kind of a joke. And it's like, all right, listen, I'll give you freedom of color and flake on this infidel build, but your FXR has to be painted the way I want it to. We're going to do a, 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 a mutual trade amongst friends. So you can't use metal flake you can't even use gloss clear <laughs> this has to be a matte finished bike and when you see it in Sturgis so it, it, James jokes about it now and he's like fuck we can park them next to each other and somebody's gonna walk up to the two of us and think we're standing in front of the wrong bikes right and it's kind of funny and and yet as this process started to go through the more samples he sent me and the more ideas we exchanged and he started putting them down in the computer for, for design purposes, I was like, okay, I kind of dig it. Well, when I got the paint, I got the bodywork back last week from him and now we're assembling the motorcycle and the paint job just fits this bike. It does. It and looks I very good. I never would have thought I'd say that. I, I, I <laughs> I would have thought, you know, fuck, I don't want to build an Easter egg. I just don't. Right. <laughs> but um, I'm pretty stoked and, and pretty proud to to be able to say that this came out of his head and, and he did a great job. He nailed it. And it flows from front to back just like the, the fabrication work does and the way all the parts go together. So I'll be happy to, to, to show it off when I get to Sturgis. Well, good. And uh, so I want to make a correction. Our, uh, the show, the Little Evil show is at the Steel Pony, but it's on Tuesday the 9th. So it's still Tuesday. It's just I got my dates crossed up. Tuesday the 9th. Yep, yep. Registration yep. starts at 10 a.m. Uh, awards at 3 p.m. We've got 11 classes. Uh, we're going to see lots of really awesome bikes out there. And, you know, we are the only custom motorcycle show uh, or performance show with a, with a pool that you can go swimming in during the show. Correct. So, so there is a chance you're going to see some bikinis and you know that kind of thing. I'm you know? bringing mine. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kurt, I appreciate uh, I appreciate your time. I know you need to get that infidel done, and uh, this is going to come out on Monday the eighth. So it'll come out pre-show, but I will do a little bit of prep for it. And uh, man, it was awesome to talk to you on the podcast. You and I have been talking about doing this for a while, and I know that when someone says, "Hey, I want to interview," you, it comes off a little weird, but it, I, I assure you, uh, it's going to be well received. And I do appreciate, uh, I do appreciate your friendship. I appreciate, uh, all the stuff you do all year long and all the communication back and forth. And, uh, I will see you on uh, Saturday night on the Hill. That's for sure. All right, buddy. Wait. Have a good night. Have a good week. Thank I'll you see you soon. All, you do, all right, buddy. Okay, buddy. Bye. Bye. Bye.